Hello and welcome to the Lou Review. This is your host Rosa and today I'm joined by a very special guest, the Cocktail Contessa. Hi. This is Heather uh, Wibbles and she is the leader of Bourbon Women and so I have really admired her from social media and so this is like a big moment for me. I might be fangirling a little bit but also we had lunch the other day uh-huh. and I came away feeling like we were really kindred spirits. Yes, of so, course. Thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Can I cheers you? Yeah, cheers. Toast of the morning. So, mm-hmm. yes, for those of you who are joining us who are just listening, we are having <laughs> a bourbon take on a French 75 because um, we are recording this in the morning. So, bubbles are always fantastic for morning drinks. Mm-hmm. So, that's what we're doing this morning. Like, forget mimosas. Oh, these are much better. I prefer these or my bourbon mimosas to a traditional mimosa. Okay, so what else is in here? So this is, like I said, it's a bourbon take on the French 75. Mm -hmm. And a French 75 is gin, lemon juice, and a little bit of simple syrup. Okay. And then you top it with bubbles. Mm -hmm. So that's all a French 75 is. So what I do is a cheat. I make a whiskey sour, a whole whiskey sour. Oh. I split it between two different glasses, and mm-hmm. then I top it with, in this case, I used uh, La Marca Prosecco. Mm-hmm. So this has peach simple syrup in it because we're using mm. Bardstown Fusion. So I wanted to play on some of the dried fruit uh, flavors in the bourbon with some peach. And peach and bourbon always go together. I agree. I love peach, <laughs> and I love bourbon. Uh, she was like, okay, well, I'm going to do one raspberry and one peach. And I was like, well, the peach needs to go with the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just watched Drink Masters. Yes. Oh, my that? God. Yes, yes, yes. They did this fountain of a peach bourbon cocktail. That was so my favorite episode. It was mine, too. I know. <laughs> my guy was, yeah. And that guy was like, I've been living in Louisville for 10 years, so I know all about bourbon. I was like, bring it. I know. And exactly. he did. He brought it. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. that was great. That was my favorite episode. Me Plus, too. they got to interact with guests in that yeah, one. Not just of, the judges. Exactly. And I think. You know, part of that is to really talk up the hospitality that people who are in the industry have mm-hmm. to be able to serve. I mean, a good right. mixologist and bartender doesn't just make cool drinks. They know how to convey an experience to people. Yeah, and be a really good listener a lot of the times while they're being exactly. an artist with their drinks. And, you know, the tickets are 30 deep and they've got, you know, they've <laughs> got to be able to connect with someone, get them a drink they love, mm-hmm. but then keep moving because every, every guest needs to feel special. So that brings us to, how did you become the Cocktail Contessa? Did you just, like, bartend for years? No. No? <laughs> I have actually never been behind the bar professionally wow. working. Um, so it's just a passion of mine. I started doing it at home. Um, the very first time I entered the Bourbon Women Not Your Pink Drink contest. Um, a little bit about that. Bourbon Women is an organization mm-hmm. that is founded uh, 12 years ago. And uh, we now have branches across the country, 16 different branches, and we really like to focus on bringing women to bourbon and bourbon to women. That's how I usually Mm -hmm. say it. You know, we like to make sure that women are included in the whiskey conversation and the Mm -hmm. bourbon conversation. Mm -hmm. And to kind of play off of that idea that women uh, like good drinks just Mm -hmm. like any other whiskey consumer. We don't just need... 
a lot of simple syrup with some food coloring in it. Exactly. So <laughs> to play off that idea, the bourbon women started a contest called the Not Your Pink Drink. Mm -hmm. So the only rule really was that it had to have a whiskey in it and it could not be pink. Oh, it couldn't be pink at all. Could not be pink at all. I thought it was going to be pink. It was just going to have more complexity to it. No, if the okay. drink is pink, it is disqualified. Whoa. Can it be red? Or is it, it can too be red. Close? No, red's fine. Do you have a color like palette a, no. that you carry around? To no, be like, but... no, this is crossing over <laughs> from the red into the pink. No, but people, but people understand that's very yeah. clearly stated in the rules. Okay. But I won that contest three years in a row, and they said, mm -hmm. "Hey, could you please not enter?" <laughs> You're making it not fun for everybody else, Heather. Exactly. Could you help judge? <laughs> and so that was about the time that I got involved with being on the board of Bourbon Women, mm -hmm. and then I was chair of the board, and now I'm managing director. So that's kind of my path to all those things. But the mm -hmm. term cocktail contessa came from Peggy No Stevens. Uh, it was Susan Riegler, who's known as the Bourbon Authority. Have you met Susan? No, I haven't. Okay, you need to meet Susan. Um, Susan Riegler is a spirits author. She is one of the most intelligent and nuanced writers, I would say, wow. about bourbon and whiskey uh, content. She has an amazing palette. She and Peggy together are like the dynamic duo or mm. Thelma and Louise. Now, so, did they found Bourbon Women together? So, Peggy founded Bourbon Women with another woman who's still on the board named okay. Cynthia Torp. Hmm. But uh, Susan was included in the charter members. Gotcha. So, they all founded it together. And they all created this group that they really didn't know at the time was going to become nationwide. Mm -hmm. They thought, you know, women are being left out of the conversation. Women in Kentucky have always, always sipped bourbon and always mm -hmm. made bourbon, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And they weren't being talked to. They were being sort of pandered to in some cases. So over the last 12 years, amazing things have happened with that. That's completely changed. Mm -hmm. Women are part of the conversation now. They're part of the industry. But um, Susan had just ended three years of chair of, as chair of the board, and Peggy was having a little celebration at her house and asked me to make some custom cocktails. And this was after you'd won at least once at the thing? Uh, that was after they'd asked, that was when I was, uh, before I was on the board uh -huh. um, and after they'd asked me to stop entering the contest. Okay, so, so you'd already been an established winner three times. Exactly. And I was pink drink Exactly, contest. and I was making content for bourbon women, cocktail content okay. for bourbon women at like that point. Like freelancing type yeah. stuff? Yeah, because I loved it and I love bourbon and I think whiskey cocktails are um they're not as accepted as sipping whiskey neat or on the rocks by the whiskey community. Mm -hmm. So I think if people largely sip whiskey cocktails, most people don't, uh, wouldn't call themselves a whiskey drinker. And I think if you, if you drink whiskey in any way, shape or form, the people who make it are pleased. Mm -hmm. If you are buying their bottles and mm -hmm. enjoying it with friends, they really do not care. If That's you're a sipping. good point. You're supporting the industry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, there are a lot of people, the bulk of the, the whiskey and the bourbon that's sold is not the high-end $150 bottles. Mm -hmm. It's the that's people true. going to get the 20 to $30 bottles mm -hmm. to mix with cocktails, to have at the end of the day. They don't want to spend three hours putting together something complicated, and they really prefer it in a cocktail. Mm -hmm. So when I walked in with my bags, like I walked into your house with a huge bag full of spirits and syrups and lemon juice. It was very juice. exciting. Um, so when I walked in, Peggy said, oh, it's the cocktail contest. So I said, mm -hmm. can I use that? And she said, of course. And then at that point, I started building up my website, cocktailcontessa.com. Started the Instagram shortly after that. And then sort of 
found my sea legs, I guess you would say, during COVID when my mm-hmm. other stuff, you know, everybody shut down and everybody right. was looking for an easy way to do drinks and mm-hmm. to enjoy their spirits at home. Exactly. Because we couldn't go out. Did you have your book out at that time? No, my book just came out last April. She's a new author, you all. Mm-hmm. Where is my book? Yeah, let's show book. off your book a little bit. It's called Bourbon is My Comfort Food. And it's all about how to think about whiskey cocktails in a way that just isn't a simple cocktail list. Mm-hmm. So instead of going through a bunch of, um, you know, the, the 50 classic bourbon cocktails, I really talk about how to develop your cocktail palette. Mm-hmm. Because whiskey drinkers are so geeky. <laughs> they love to parse out every single type of flavor that they will have mm-hmm. in their whiskey. Which makes them exceptionally good mm-hmm. at picking apart cocktails and knowing that what cocktails sense. work. Mm-hmm. But I think whiskey drinkers who are enthusiasts think either A, cocktails are too hard to make, which is not true. I mean, I've taught thousands of people this morning <laughs> how to make easy cocktails at home. Um, but I think they also think that if they sip it in cocktails, they're not enjoying it in the way that the makers intended. And mm-hmm. I would argue, like I said earlier, as long as you're enjoying it with friends mm-hmm. and you're enjoying it in a way that's responsible, mm-hmm. I think anyone who makes whiskey would be happy to mm-hmm. celebrate that. Right, definitely. And like you said, they have a very sensitive palate that they work with in this industry. If you have a lot of, if you've sampled a lot of whiskeys, done a lot of flights, you start to notice more of the specific nuances mm-hmm. in each drink. And then when you have it in a cocktail, you can pick up on it. Exactly. And like, even if it's mixed with other things, the quality of the bourbon that is the base of the cocktail makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. It because does. like some bourbons will complement different flavor profiles in a cocktail. And if you use the wrong bourbon, then it's not going to have the same effect. You, they're not all interchangeable. No, they're not. And anybody who is enthusiastic about whiskey ends up getting more than one kind of bourbon. Yeah. And if you taste them in a flight together, you notice this one has more spice. This one Mm -hmm. has more cherry. This one may have more citrus. This one's, you know, tastes like kettle corn. This one tastes like snickerdoodles. So it could be any of these different combinations of flavors. And if you treat the base spirit like another element in your cocktail recipe... Mm -hmm not just a placeholder for a taste that tastes like generally bourbon. You Mm -hmm. can really match flavors well with um, the other flavors that you're adding. And so when I create cocktails, I really think about, uh, you know, what's the flavor experience I want to communicate to someone, Mm -hmm. right? Do I want them to... Do I want them? Do I want them to have like a dessert experience? It's really mm-hmm. decadent. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll use a, a bourbon or a whiskey that has a lot of toffee or chocolate tones in it. Mm-hmm. Add some chocolate bitters, maybe some caramel liqueur, some nut liqueur, mm-hmm. and make something even with bubbles. I will tell you that on something with bubbles, I've done that for a derby brunch before. Mm-hmm. Really, really delicious. I bet. But if you get, uh, but if your base spirit is less chocolatey but more orange, then you get like the orange and chocolate and caramel mm-hmm. experience. So you can really dial up flavors up and down when you compare them to your existing ingredients mm-hmm. based on, you know, what you want to communicate to someone. Right. Like, I think we had um, a beet bourbon cocktail mm-hmm. with our salad course. Uh-huh. I think that was the pairing Allison Settle, don't be mad at me if I'm forgetting what you paired it with because in my mind I'm just thinking, well, maybe that's why it went so well together because it was like a vegetable-based mm-hmm. bourbon cocktail with our salad course. Yeah, it could be. And yeah, 
it was a phenomenal experience. Like I, yeah, just, it's unforgettable when you find these flavors that just come together. It's like a symphony mm-hmm. instead of like a flat, oh, this is that one flavor. Exactly. It's a combination. Yeah. And if you look at the really good classic cocktails, they give you easy ways to modify that that basic set of ratios mm-hmm. to pull out different flavors from the base spirit. So a Manhattan is a perfect example, right? Two ounces of bourbon or whiskey. You know, some people favor rye, some people favor bourbon. An ounce or so of sweet vermouth and some bitters. So you can change out the bitters that you might have. Um, so maybe you want to play up some ginger notes that you get in the bourbon. So you add some ginger bitters. Uh, maybe you want to infuse a sweet vermouth with cinnamon because you got some cinnamon from the bourbon. Or, you know, maybe there's a lot, you really love the flavor of orange and chocolate. And so you want to infuse your sweet vermouth with cocoa nibs. I mean, there's all these different ways where you can take a base a cocktail recipe that's a set of ratios and vary it so that you make something that really makes the whiskey sing. Because in any, I would argue that for any cocktail, making the base spirit um, very uh, approachable but also very complex is the way to go. You want to celebrate the majority of what you have in your glass, right? So I, for me, making sure that what, however you're mixing your cocktail, you're celebrating that base spirit, to me that makes a successful cocktail. And I just love your balanced approach to it and how much thought you put into it. I watched some of your YouTube videos where you were creating a cocktail and I love how you bring the bottles of your ingredients up to your nose and smell them together exactly to see if they're going to taste good together because right. that olfactory sense is so tied to how we taste. Mm-hmm. And I just love how much thought you put into it. And you're not just trying to like write down a recipe to like put out to the public. You're really mm-hmm. experiencing it as you go. Exactly. And so thank you for sharing that. hundred percent. I love to talk about cocktails. Right. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this next one? Yeah. So the okay. next cocktail is a more traditional French 75. So it okay. has a Magellan gin, which is actually an iris infused gin. Iris, that. not Irish. Yes, Iris the No Irish people were harmed in the creation of this drink. No. And (laughs) this one particularly has uh, raspberry syrup in it, a little bit of lemon juice again. Um, Typically, traditional uh, French 75s use lemon juice, but lime also goes really well with gin. So really, you could swap it out for lime as well, depending on the flavor profile of your gin. And you know I love gin. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So cheers. Let's try it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that is refreshing. Yeah, the, the I love this. The raspberry and lemon together with this particular gin, it's a little bit citrus forward. Mm-hmm. And so using a gin that's citrus forward and something that has citrus in it mm-hmm. kind of bumps those flavors out. But you can still taste the juniper in there, right? Mm-hmm. You still get that gin flavor, but it's... It does not taste like a Christmas tree. No, it does no. not. <laughs> No, but it's a, it kind of elevates the juniper because you still get, like, you know what would make a fabulous um, uh, garnish for this would be a mm. tiny little piece of rosemary on yes. top of that lemon peel. Yeah. So something like that um, would highlight those rosemary flavors because what you said is correct. Mm-hmm. Probably, I don't know, maybe 90% of our sense of taste mm-hmm. comes from your sense of smell. So if you hold your nose, like t- hold your nose and take a, a okay. take a sip. Okay. We're doing this on video for anybody who can't see. So when you do that, you get the sour, 
right? And you get a little bit of the bubbly texture in there. Mm -hmm. But you don't really get the gin. I don't think I would want to drink this without my nose. No, which is why <laughs> having your sense of smell is so important to people yeah. in the spirits industry. Mm -hmm. It's really how you know if people if things are going to work together. Mm -hmm. So that whole sniffing that people do at tastings is not just for show. It, no, it's, it's a not. huge part of the. And you experience. probably saw me that mm -hmm. before I sip even a cocktail, mm -hmm. I take a sniff mm -hmm. of the top of it. Yeah. And in this case, what I did with the uh, lemon peel was I expressed it over the top of the cocktail, which means I squeezed it with the outside down so that all the oils kind of rest on the surface of the rim and into the top mm. of the cocktail and then I ran the peel across the rim so that every time you sip it and every time you bring it up to your mouth you get a little bit of those bitter lemon oil mm. uh, smell each time before you take a sip and there's something called I'm going to say it wrong a retronasal orthopharynx it's some long term which basically orthopharyngeal means, thank you yeah Yes, you would know that term. Hashtag nurse terms. Exactly. So what's interesting is that as you sip, some of the air from each sip goes up backwards into your nose. Yeah. And so as you eat and as you sip, and that's why food pairings work with any kind of spirit or cocktail. Oh, you have it sense. all in your mouth together, and as you chew and before you swallow, mm -hmm. it pushes that air up into the nose. And so you're smelling it basically from backwards from, from, you know, behind. From, the, from behind yeah I don't know I don't <laughs> well, smell this drink from behind <laughs> it sounds awful but it, it's true but you're smelling it basically it's almost like you get that wave of uh smell or sensory experience as you're actually um as you're chewing and that's from the air that's being pushed through that has those particles in it I love that and see this is exactly why there's a level of what do I want to say? I don't know. There's this delicate element of art to the cocktail creation that can't be put in a can. True. Like that whole lemon around the rim of your glass. Mm -hmm. I don't think you want to be tasting what's around the rim of your can. No, but, so. <laughs> but I would argue that RTD ready to drink cocktails yeah. in themselves, if you put them... If you chill it really cold, if you chill your cocktail glass, if it's something that's like a French 75, yeah. and citrus is notoriously hard to do in canned cocktails. Mm -hmm. First of all, it is problematic because of the amount of acid in the drink itself, and when you're canning it, putting mm -hmm. it in a can. But also citrus juices, fresh juices have a shelf life, a definite shelf life. Yeah. So any kind of cocktail that has lemon in it is best served when the lemon is fresh. Mm. Um, after the, any kind of lemon, lemon, lime, orange, orange not so much, but definitely lemon, lime. After about 12 to 18 hours, it starts to get bitter. Mm. And over time, it gets more and more bitter. So you really don't want to, you don't want to juice all of your limes or lemons that you're going to use to batch a cocktail 24 oh. hours in advance because it'll make it more bitter you'll wow. have to adjust the taste unless you want it to be more bitter and that's your intentional exactly purpose but you need to be aware of the breakdown so you can use it exactly. intentionally and if you don't know how it changes um what i always advocate people do is um and when i do classes with sours we taste lime juice and lemon juice mm -hmm. just a streak not in a cocktail just because there's a difference between the flavor of lime and lemon and and a lot of times people haven't ever tasted them side by side. And when you talk to them about how they're too, they're different as flavors, mm -hmm. then, you know, I usually do that. And then I walk them through choosing a base spirit and a syrup. And they can think about in their head the flavors or the smells that go with one and what they think might match best. 
But I forgot where I, has, I went on a tangent. I can't remember what no, we were talking okay. about. So, but, I really want to go back to, like, our conversation that we had when we went out to lunch together. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's so much depth to you as a person. You're not <laughs> just somebody who started making cocktails at home. Like, your story with spirits starts yes. before that. So <laughs> You pulled so that did, out of me. <laughs> I did. So, did you go to mixology school? I did not. Um, really, everything I've done with cocktails has come through the whiskey world and through bourbon women. So even starting the journey of loving cocktails was because mm-hmm. of bourbon women. And I always tell people your palate is your own, mm-hmm. right? With whiskey, with cocktails, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be careful. When I educate people and when I'm working with them, you know, I want to make sure that they understand that there's no really wrong answer. If they like a really dry, sour cocktail, that's what they like. If someone tells you this is the perfect expression of XYZ cocktail and you don't like it, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means that that's your preference. Yeah, it just means your valid. palate is different. But my background, mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to go mm-hmm. back, back, mm-hmm. Um, I had double majors in religion and philosophy at Transylvania University, and then went to Vanderbilt to get a master's degree in religion, history and critical theories of religion. So I always like to tease yeah. that I have a background in spirits because I have <laughs> Yes, I have those religious. I have those two religious degrees. You have a very well-rounded background. I know in multiple types of spirits, and we're not talking seances here. But but oh, yeah. like did you have any experience with exorcisms? Oh no 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 no, not that kind of spiritual. No, it was okay. uh, my degree was in um, different historical, psychological, and anthropo- anthropological. Um, basically ways to study religion mm-hmm. so it wasn't about any particular religion it was more about the ways that the lens that you use to view things yeah. can change what you see which is kind of the same thing with cocktails it is. right so the lens like if i'm looking at this as a whisk as a gin geek i might think well you know this pulls out certain flavors in the gin it balances the gin but the next time i make it i might use a different prosecco to top with sure. so maybe i'll use a little bit drier prosecco on top next time because I think if it was a little bit drier the sourness would pop through a little bit more and the juniper would be a little bit more present but for me because I'm largely a whiskey girl Mm -hmm. I would probably leave it here for me but for you I would tweak it just a little bit to make the gin pop a little bit Mm. well that's very individually considerate of you it is well if I'm making cocktails for a group of people it helps if I know you know are you a sweet cocktail person or a sour cocktail person, a dry? I mean, what's your preference when you do cocktails? Is this the part where you're actually asking me? Yeah. Or are you just saying, um, I like variety. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm really into flights because I want to be able to compare. Yes. So I like to have three different experiences that I can compare and choose from. Exactly. Because I'm still learning my preferences. Yeah. I didn't actually drink alcohol before I was 30. Mm-hmm. Which was recently. Mm-hmm. So I, so a lot of experimentation that people do, like in college years, I didn't do. Well, so most people I'm learning in college now. are not looking at flights as Right, spirits, that's right? fair, that's fair. But so, I also like, you know, just, it's all new to me. Yeah. So. Which is exciting, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you get to educate yourself about the products, but you also get to educate your palate. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I would say would be fun for you mm-hmm. would it be a flight of cocktails where you make yes. the same cocktail, but you change out the bourbon or the yeah. whiskey or the gin. Yeah. I mean, Let's can you what, imagine this? Oh, wow. With a, like a London dry, like straight up Tanqueray 10. Do Brockman's, which is really fruit forward. 
And then what would the third gen be? I'm trying to think of a good third gen we could use for that that's wildly different. Um, okay, well, my two favorites are Roku Gen and Empress 1908. Empress 1908 would be really fun because it's, it's, it's even fun. softer. I would say it's, it has a little bit more juniper in it, and the citrus notes are softer than the Magellan Gen that we use today. So yeah. to me, and we were talking about gin and tonics the other day. Mm -hmm. So a really fun thing is either to use the same gin and three different tonic waters to figure out which tonic you like. Mm. Because people don't usually, they're like, oh, I just, I'm getting tonic water. There's one kind. There are like a thousand kinds of oh tonic gosh, water. I didn't know that. I, I use Fresca to yeah. mix a lot. Yeah. Well, what's really fun with tonic water is you can get tonic water concentrate that you add to club soda. Club soda, and you can make your own tonic water as strong or as weak as you like. So you oh can gosh. dial up that bitterness that's in the the quinine, the you know mm -hmm. the medicinal part of yes. tonic water, um, or the glow in the dark kind. Yeah. Oh, I haven't Just, had that. Tell me more. Well, it, if you get tonic water that has quinine in it, and you freeze it, then you got glow in the dark ice cubes. I did not know that, girl. Um, I feel like you're going to have to do an addendum to the next publishing of uh, your next book. Yeah. These are the glow-in-the-dark cocktails. See, now that would be fun, mm -hmm. especially under a black light. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, black lights at parties, cocktails. It works. Very fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. it works. Yeah. yeah. Edible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially if it's edible glitter. We were discussing edible yes, glitter, too. Yes, because I love to use the um, butterfly pea flower in cocktails. Yes, where it the does color, the color change. changes, then add some edible glitter for some shimmer. Yeah, so the, for your listeners that don't know about butterfly pea flower, have you talked about that on here before? No. Okay, so butterfly pea flower is, uh, it basically comes in dried form. It's like a tea, and you use it to make it, it comes out with this really deep dark indigo blue color mm -hmm. when you add anything acidic it turns lighter and lighter lavender mm -hmm. so there are some gins that are made with it like empress 1908 gin mm -hmm. um there are other gins that are made with it or you can use it as simple syrup and when you use it as a simple syrup and add it to your gin and tonic even if you have clear gin mm -hmm. it'll make this gorgeous color gin and tonic that has and you know, purple and green look gorgeous together, mm -hmm. right? So the light color of the purple with maybe some green lime uh, put in there makes a really beautiful image, too. Yeah, and Heather is not just, like, creating a taste or smell experience. She's also creating a visual mm -hmm. experience. She does a lot of photography and video creation of these drinks as well. So just as you can hear her description from the colors that go well together, that's always a consideration as part of the experience too. So it is. Well, when you're when you're looking with social, if you're looking at social media, mm -hmm. right? You can't taste through the. You can't picture. taste it. You can't smell it. True. So the only way you can communicate is through sight. So if you can make something intriguing mm -hmm. or compelling through sight, mm -hmm. that's how you get people to either try the recipe. Or if you put a, I found that my cocktails, if I put like a fake mustache on the glass or something completely out of the ordinary, people are like, oh my God, that looks so much, like so much fun. So there are things like that you can do if you're, you know, if you're somebody who is getting into social media, they're kind of kitschy to do, mm -hmm. but also, I mean, around Halloween, I oh, have yeah. just a stack of fake mustaches and I'm like, oh, that, that mustache would look good with that drink. Hey, as a neuro person, I need a, a brain theme. So, if you ever oh. do any with brain themes, you let me know. Hmm. Tag at Lou Food Reviews. That's a good idea. I will share. That's a really good idea. Now, I did do some Halloween ones where I had, um, like, plastic fake brains, like, in the background. But I'm a vegetarian, so I don't think I could actually use, like, 
organ meat and stuff like that. I don't want you to do that. Okay, then what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> you were talking about mustaches. You're not drinking the mustache. Well, no. I just meant as like a theme. As a theme, yeah. As so, a theme. Also, please don't consume brains of anything. It's a great way to get mad cow disease as uh, people. Exactly. Like, just don't do it. I, yeah. That's my medical PSA. What are they called? Well, sweet meats. Are those technically called sweet meats? I feel like that, or is that more is organ? Something else. Organs? Okay. That I, yeah. Obviously, it's a vegetarian. I don't really know all the correct terms for different parts. When I say I, I'm a neuro nerd, <laughs> I don't mean I eat brains. That is not a thing. <laughs> so, but no, I eat meat, but that. not that. No. So, um, but uh, since we do have a shared kind of medical background, uh-huh. um, I did want to just mention I was watching some videos of you teaching as a massage therapist. <laughs> I had somebody call me yesterday to say, to ask me if I knew someone in um, New York who could oh. do lymphatic drainage massage. Yeah. Them. Yeah, so I was a massage therapist for, oh, my math is terrible, but I think uh, 18 <laughs> years, maybe 19 years. Mm-hmm. And they all run together. And they really did. Well. And so I started my practice in Nashville where we lived at the time, and then we moved up here um, about uh, 12 years ago. And... I hope my husband doesn't listen to this because I'm sure I have the dates wrong. I always get the dates wrong. Will he be surprised? No, not that I got it wrong. No, yeah, okay. He won't, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that his job to keep all the dates right? Well, I can never remember what year we started dating or what year we got mm-hmm. married because we... It, it's was a long it so story. Early? Yeah. Well, no, it was just like we had, we had our own, like, where we considered our relationship and our commitment to one another started. Oh. And then we got married because we wanted to have a party. That's fair. So I really consider, you know, when we made the commitment to each other, our marriage. Okay. So that's kind of, that's way off the topic. But but that's an important part of your story. Exactly. But the massage therapy thing, you know, what I got to do was be in a room, a quiet room with people to help them relax and to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you know, making it easy for people to drink cocktails and my passion for bourbon and sharing whiskey cocktails falls in the same vein. So I am troubleshooting I do have what I call cocktail 911, where people call in or message what? me on social media. Hey, I've got a cocktail. It's not tasting right. Or I tried something from your book. Why isn't this working? So cocktail underscore contest on Instagram or cocktail contest on Facebook. People mm-hmm. d- people DM me all the time. With cocktail 911 questions. With cocktail questions. Okay, yeah. that is hilarious. So I, I offer cocktail it. support. That is amazing. Yeah. So I, and like I have friends, I have people who are on Bourbon Women. They're like, Heather, I'm working on this. I've got a project that I need a batch cocktail for. So I'll just give them some ideas of things they could try and they're excited and everybody's happy. You're an expert resource. Exactly. Yeah. And you have such a therapeutic presence. (laughs) We were talking about our therapeutic presence earlier. We were. Yes. Yeah. But those, those videos, I, when I was in Nashville, I did those when I was in Nashville. Oh, Okay. And, the, like, they're probably 12 years old. I think I've got, like, over a million subscribers on that channel. Wow. Uh, I didn't even look at that. I was just like, wow, she knows her stuff. It's like, I mean, it's 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 a long, it was a long, long time ago. But I would have people occasionally recognize me in, um, just in public in Nashville yeah. because those had come up. Because they'd been sick and they yeah. were Googling lymphatic drainage massage. And, and it's very niche. Like, yeah, there's it not- is. When you need it, you need it. And then if you don't need it, you don't know about it. Exactly. So. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's sort of the troubleshooting therapeutic okay. background. We did not at all cover how you went from being 
a religion major to a massage therapist. How did that even happen? Oh, I didn't tell you about what happened between then. So when I got my uh, master's from Vanderbilt, I needed to find a real job because I wasn't going to continue. I mean, you could work at Chick-fil-A. My husband got a bachelor's in religion and philosophy, Uh and it qualified him to work at Chick-fil-A. I could have, but instead I went into software. (laughs) Software. Yeah, so I I did um, I managed software quality assurance teams <laughs> before okay. I went into massage. So I went from religion to uh-huh. uh, software QA, and then which was you know troubleshooting, mm-hmm. and then went into massage, which, which is, is also troubleshooting. Soft tissue instead of software. exactly software soft tissue. There you go. <laughs> and then then you get to soft, hard drinks. <laughs> hard drinks. Yeah, I kind of switched. Yeah, but that's sort of that. That's sort of my path. It's very okay. varied. Um, I always love to learn new stuff, and I always choose. My husband always says he's like, "You wish she's the hardest way to do things." And that's what my husband yeah. says about me. Yeah. So when I when I do like when I get inter- interested into something or when I get passionate about something, mm-hmm. I just figure it out. Yeah. It's just not. There's always a way. There's always something to ask. Mm-hmm. There's always help to get. There's always. Websites to search that can give you an answer. And if you get hung up on perfectionism and thinking, I have to know all this stuff before I start, you're never going to start. Exactly. And it's just, it's just not worth it to, to stop yourself from doing new things. And, and what I didn't realize when I got into cocktails and started my blog was that beverage photography is one of the hardest kinds of photography to do. It's a good thing you didn't know that before you started. It's a doing really it. good thing. You might not have wanted because, to start. Well, think about it. All right, look at the cocktail. Right, what's reflective? The glass is reflective. If we oh. had ice in it, the ice is reflective. That's true. It's liquid, and so you've got ice, liquid, and glass, which is all reflective, mm-hmm. and you have to control those reflections against your primary light source when you take a picture. Wow. So the issue is, you want a well lit picture, but you also need to have you need to have a difference in gradation of light so your eye knows where to go because your eye will track. From dark to light to the focus and the the brightest part of the picture. So do you choose which one you're focusing on then? You have to decide which one to focus on to tell whatever story or whatever uh, mood that you're trying to get. Mm. Um, but, you know, sometimes if I'm taking a top-down picture, I want to focus on the garnish in the glass. Mm. Mm-hmm. But if I'm taking a picture through it, like mm-hmm. straight through it, I might be trying to put the ice in focus to mm-hmm. show the refreshing nature of something Mm. with this I would want to get um that's a better glass to take a champagne picture in because when you you, can see the bubbles exactly Mm -hmm. you can see the bubbles and the bubbles will congregate on the edge and on the inside of the glass Mm -hmm. so it just depends on on what you're doing but it's not in any way shape or form an easy thing to try and master but and I would not consider myself a master of it at all I could probably study beverage photography for 50 years and still however if you get paid to do it, you are technically a professional no matter how you feel about it. Well, there you go. So, there cheers. you go. Cheers. And so, of these yeah. two, which do you prefer? Or what are your thoughts on both of them? Oh, uh, let me go back to the first one, the Bourbon French 75, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. You could call it a Kentucky 75. It's not like a well-known name for it. Bourbon does not have to be made in Kentucky. Exactly. So. But yeah. if you call something a Kentucky mule, you pretty much know that there's bourbon in it that's fair mm-hmm. not not as many people know that um oh, yeah, there's a different the bluegrass is another term for uh kentucky so a lot of times yeah. people say kentucky just when they mean bourbon more people know that kentucky exists rather than that bluegrass exists mm-hmm. right 
Yeah. What you think? They're so different. They are. So, I think I like the Gen one better. Mm-hmm. This one, the Bourbon 75 is a little more sour. Mm-hmm. And, like you said, you made a whiskey sour, right? Exactly. So, anytime mm-hmm. I make a French 75, my cheat is I make either a gin sour or a whiskey sour or whatever. I can make a vodka sour and yeah. make a riff on a French 75. And I pour half in each champagne flute and then top it with Prosecco. Mm-hmm. And it's generally the uh, cocktail formula that you're going to do for any sort of riff on a French 75. And I do the same thing. Like, if I, I will often make a bourbon mimosa where I make a... Uh, a bourbon old-fashioned or a rye old-fashioned and put half in each glass and top it with Prosecco. So when I, yeah, okay. so it really you can elevate any cocktail to a certain extent by topping it with Prosecco, but you don't want to have a full two or three ounce high-proof cocktail and then pour more alcohol on top of it. It makes for a very strong drink and can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You can't really have a couple of those. I mean, you could, mm-hmm. but you'd have to be either where you were, someone else driving, or at your house the whole day. Yes, and these are our safe GPSAs. Yeah, well, I, I just, if you really, the more people drink, uh, so when people get excited about cocktails and when they start drinking cocktails, they love it, but they're not consuming as thoughtfully mm-hmm. on the third drink as they it's were the so first true. Drink. So if you want people to really appreciate your cocktails and appreciate sort of the flavor experience that you're communicating, then, uh, you know, having ways for them to drink responsibly is the way to go. I support that. Which sounds like it's not a fun way to do it, but, you know, you start out your evening with the very best cocktail. And, you know, as people drink more and more through, if you're having a cocktail party or something like that, they may become less able to, because they're you know, drinking, less able to distinguish between different flavor profiles or how everything's fitting together. So just like we were asking this guy who was designing blends of bourbon. Um, well, I asked him, what is your liver preservation plan? Well, exactly. (laughs) And he was like, well, I do end up spitting it out a lot. Yeah. So when you're (laughs) you're blending, you have to be considerate of your own abilities and your own safety and you do. And when I, you know, when I go, a lot of people go to bourbon dinners or to cock, you know, cocktail paired dinners Mm -hmm. where they'll have like a bourbon cocktail with each course. Exactly. And I always tell people when, when someone hasn't done that before, I always tell them you are not expected to drink everything that is set in front of you. It's supposed to be tasted. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there are inevitably cocktails that you love more than others or bourbons that you love more than others. And And if you hate it, just stop. Don't do it. Just don't drink it. Yeah. But I think, you know, things like that. So whiskey drinkers are very protective of whiskey. We know how long it takes to make it. We know how much money goes into every sip that we take. But I think that for me, being very cognizant that the people who make the whiskey want you to drink it responsibly and enjoy it, but get home safely, Mm -hmm. is very important. Gotta live to drink it another day. You do. You absolutely do. So, (laughs) you know, when I make cocktails like this for the, you know, for the morning, Mm -hmm. you said, you know, I don't want to drink too much. It's Saturday morning. (laughs) So I said, well, I'll bring something with bubbles in it, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not necessarily a super low ABV cocktail, um, but it is a lighter cocktail. Yeah. And it's one that you can sip on for a while, and Mm -hmm. it still stays tasting fresh and good. See, and like I said, I love Fresca, Mm -hmm. which is like a light citrus flavor and it is sweeter than it is sour Mm -hmm. but it's also not 
sticky sweet. Like well, juice. Well, and what you could do with this, if you wanted to make it even more low ABV, is top it with cold fresca. Mm-hmm. And lower calorie. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, those are all things that you can do to kind of tweak the alcohol content of something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even brought a couple of seltzers. I have a hibiscus seltzer, and we could have made this top with hibiscus seltzer yeah. or passion fruit seltzer. Some kind of bubbles. Yeah, any kind of bubbles. But when you make a bubble cocktail, you have to make sure your glass is super cold, your ingredients are super cold, and your seltzer is super cold. Because in carbonation, you probably know this as a nurse with, you know, all kinds of science stuff, that things that are in solution that are chilled, like carbonation that's chilled, holds carbonation, holds the carbonated element in the uh, liquid longer than something that's warm. So if I pour, yeah, so it's not, I actually didn't know that. Okay. So anything like a highball or bubbles cocktail, you want the glass to be cold. Mm -hmm. You want the ice to be cold and smooth because when you have any irregularities in the ice or the inside of the glass, the bubbles will stick to it. Wow. So the liquid, when it gets disruptive, forms the bubbles, and that's either from disrupted in terms of the inside of the glass or the ice uh, from it. So if you want a really great highball that doesn't dilute too much, Mm -hmm. make a highball with one large, long cube Mm. of ice. A large, long cube. Okay. So they have ice molds that you can can use to make. You saw I have some ice molds. I know, you do. I don't have a long one, though. Yes, but the long one, one it's the size of a Collins glass. So the Collins glass, you would just pop one in there. Yeah. Uh, The inside of the glass would be very smooth. Mm -hmm. And that's how... Yeah, so, and, and a lot of people just don't like highballs because they think there's so much carbonated element that it's not really a good cocktail. But a well-made highball is a thing of beauty. Right, and to be fair, the majority of experiences are probably going to, they're probably going to be right that somebody's filling it up with a whole lot of carbonated exactly. soda water or whatever. Or lukewarm ginger ale on top oh of it. Oh my gosh. So the best, I, I will say no. that I am a huge component <laughs> of a higher proof okay. spirit in a highball. Okay. Which a lot of people would never do, but some of the best highballs I've ever had in my life had barrel proof spirits in them. Okay. Mostly because I grabbed the wrong bottle. <laughs> Mostly because you grabbed the wrong I, bottle. I did. I have, multi, you know, I have multiple bottles of hundreds of, uh, not hundreds, but lots of different kinds of whiskeys. And if I grab the wrong bottle that's a barrel select, that's barrel proof, and use it to make a highball, like, damn, my highball game's good tonight. <laughs> Is that because you were just happy? It was because I was happy. It was a very good highball. But that high proof spirit shines through. And I had really cold. I had chilled everything in advance. My glass. I had good ice. So when you do everything right for a highball, it can be absolutely delicious and refreshing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people disregard them because technically a Jack and Coke is a highball, right? Oh, yeah. It's a carbonated spirit with a base spirit. I mean, that's my husband's favorite. Yeah. Well, Coke Zero Mm -hmm. and... You know, whatever bourbon. Yeah, whatever bourbon you're sipping on. Yeah. But see, we always... So here's the thing I would say with that, is to always smell what you're putting together. So when you Mm -hmm. choose what bourbon, if you know what kind... Like, we like Ale 8 at our house. Okay. So Ale 8's Kentucky product. It's completely delicious. So if I have the Ale 8 out, I'm smelling the Ale 8, and I'm Mm -hmm. going by different bottles of bourbon Mm -hmm. to see which smells best with the Ale 8. Okay. That makes me want to have a whole, like, smell-off in a liquor cabinet now with you should some different drinks. That you absolutely should. Yeah. yeah. Because you can either start with the base spirit and match uh, a carbonated element or start with a carbonated element, like AL8, and see which one matches best. Fantastic. And it's even more fun when you get a group of people together and you're all mm-hmm. testing it. Mm-hmm. Because people will all be different. 
there is never there's a a majority of people will say which one they like best but it is never a hundred percent Ever. Never, ever. And that's part of the beauty of it. Yeah. It's like we were talking about. We don't need to all match. Exactly. To get along. We complement each other. Everybody's palette is different. Yeah. And that's, if you take one thing away from any kind of class or conversation with me, it's that you should own what your palette likes. There's nothing wrong with loving super sweet drinks. My husband loves a super sweet sour. Yeah, my husband If I make a sour for him, I'm using way more syrup than for me. I make one for my mom, more balanced for me, more on the sour side. So when you make cocktails for people that you know well, mm-hmm. you can tweak your ratios. To their palate. Exactly. And well, and you know that, but just shows you're a very thoughtful friend. Exactly. And you then know people what? people feel so seen and recognized. Exactly. And, and understood by you. Well, and sometimes somebody asked me, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, what happens if what happens if you get a cocktail wrong? If you're making it for somebody and they don't like it, I'm like, I fix it. There you go. If I can communicate with them on what they didn't like, mm-hmm. maybe they didn't like the aftertaste or the mouthfeel or mm-hmm. it's too sweet, too dry, I can adjust the ratios and make it again. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's ratios and, you know, thoughtful consumption of flavors. That's... Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not difficult. That's why I love it. <laughs> it's easy. Well, it's, it's just communicating and... I'm sorry. Did you say communicating is easy? No. I think, <laughs> no. Because that is the hardest part, is the I hardest part. Like. Because a lot of people don't know how to verbalize exactly. what they're experiencing either. So... Like, you're giving them exactly. all of these different terms that they've probably never described in their life what the mouth feel was. Exactly. If they're whiskey right. drinkers, though, they would. So, but yeah, but if you, but if you educate people while you're talking to them, I mean, some of my favorite classes I've ever given, I've really talked with people about, they're like, well, I don't like that. Well, why not? It just isn't for me. So if you ask, but if you keep asking questions, which is the same thing I had to do as a massage therapist, they're like, my knee hurts. Does it hurt all the time? Yeah, pretty much all the time. Does it hurt when you sleep? No, not really. So not all the time. No, not all the time. Okay, does it hurt when you're standing more or when you're sitting? Well, maybe more when I'm standing. Okay, does it hurt when you're pivoting or when you're standing still? So if you ask yeah. a bunch of questions, questions. that yeah. can hone in on what they think about flavors, like if you ask someone, like if I'm talking to someone and they're like, I just don't like that, it's not very good. I'm like, and they're always like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm like, first off, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Right. I want to get it right for you. What don't you like? Well, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, of something that's like, I don't know. I've been sitting out for, I'm like, for a few days. I'm like, so does it taste a little flat? Yeah, it's just not very complex. Okay. Well, is it too sweet at all? No, I think the sweetness is right. How about the bitterness? Yeah, you know what? It might be a little bit too bitter. I mm-hmm. think that's the problem, too. So if you... You're doing a lot of educating. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what... Yeah. If you want people to be able to, to make fun cocktails at home, mm-hmm. they have to be able to consume thoughtfully yeah and so just asking them how to how to evaluate their own experience of something mm-hmm. almost I mean a lot of times that's the learning experience that they're not just sipping something that tastes like lemonade mindlessly exactly so it's fun this has been so much fun I know and thank you so much for coming and for bringing your toolkit of <laughs> Did you see what the other side of the bag said? No, what does it say? Let me just show it. Okay, you can show the camera. Let's see what it says in here. It says, a little party never (gasps) killed nobody. So that's my um, taking cocktails to someone's house. 
That's adorable. Yeah, so that's if I I'm going it. to somebody's house, I'll take that or um, another fun, you know, cocktail bag with me. That's fantastic. So I really appreciate you coming on to the Lube Review podcast. My pleasure. I love meeting amazing people that are making Kentucky just one of the best places to be. Of course. And you are definitely one of them. Well, you know, cocktails make everything better. I mean. The two things I always I say enjoy. is bourbon makes everything better. Um, I have glasses that a friend got me that says bourbon makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people in Kentucky and a lot of people in bourbon women and a lot of people who love bourbon in mm-hmm. general, bourbon makes them happy. And so if I can get more people to sip bourbon and cocktails, more people can feel like that. That bourbon makes them happy. Look at you just spreading happiness. I know, spreading the love. I love it. <laughs> so if you have not already, follow the Cocktail Contessa on Instagram at Cocktail Contessa underscore, or Cocktail underscore yeah, Contessa, so right? I'll tell you all my Please channels, tell right? tell me all your channels. All the channels so are on my website. No, it's fine. <laughs> Cocktailcontessa.com is my website. Okay. Instagram is Cocktail underscore Contessa. Okay. You'll know because it has the pretty pictures on it. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook is just Cocktail Contessa. I have a newsletter I send out a couple times a month with some recipes, some tips, what's been going on, that sort of thing. And my book is available on Amazon.com or from your local independent uh, resellers. Because if they don't have it in stock, they can order it. And it's Bourbon is My Comfort Food. Mm-hmm. Bourbon is My Comfort Food by Heather Wibbles, the Bourbon <laughs> Women Guide to Fantastic Cocktails at Home. It's a long title, but basically it's a way to get people to figure out how to do their own cocktails and have fun with bourbon at home. So empowering. I, I love it. Love it. So for more interviews with great people who are making a difference in Kentucky and the surrounding area, subscribe to the Lou Review podcast for more. And you can follow me at Lou Food Reviews on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those good things. And on Facebook at the Lou Review Podcast. And I'll share pictures of restaurants that I visit and captions about our experience while we're there because we're just all about sharing positivity and um, the great experiences you can have in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Which we are all about. Yes, we are. So (laughs) we will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs)